right, church, say amen. All right, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter number 16. Proverbs chapter number 16. That's echoing a little bit, Dustin. Help me out with that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about two subjects if we get a chance to get all of them. Uh, I had four, but after I got as much information with the two, I didn't figure we'd get them done. So we're, we're going to cover what we can cover tonight. Uh, these two subjects uh, probably create more grief, more irritation, more problems in marriages, relationships, uh, just life in general. Uh, because sometimes we don't recognize it, sometimes we don't realize it. Uh, many times we don't even think we have a problem with it. Uh, and and I want to I want to deal with these, and they're going to be they're, they're going to be serious. They're going to be uh, something that may bring tears to our eyes. It may bring past memories to our mind, uh, stuff that we we want to forget about. Uh, but then we don't need to, and, I, and I'll explain why here in just a minute. But we're going to deal with basic social sins. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about anger and pride. Say those two with me. Everybody say it again. Anger and pride. pride. Uh, We were going to add drunkenness and greed to that, but I figured we'd be sore enough after these two. Amen? Uh, So let's look look here in in, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 32. And uh, does anybody need a lesson? Does anybody need a lesson? Well, I forgot to do that a while ago. Uh, Right here. Uh, uh, Miss Mosley, glad to have you back. He whined and whined and whined. I'm glad you're back. It was pitiful. Amen. All right. Anybody else need a lesson? Raise your hand real high if you need a lesson over here on this side, uh, Brother Rogers over here. All right. Got two. Anybody else over here? All right. Way down here on the front. There you go, Brother Johnny. All right. Hey, and don't forget, don't forget, I need to remind everybody uh, that we have a crowded parking lot. And uh, there's always people out there. Sometimes there's children out there. And uh, there was a few vehicles that came in the parking lot, and, and you might have been trying to get a good seat. I don't know. But either way, uh, you come in really fast tonight. And, 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 and some of our parking team, uh, they were really concerned about that. So they wanted me to remind everybody, be careful in the parking lot. Go slow or don't go. Say amen. Let's try that. Go slow. Let me try it. Let me try it. Go slow or don't go. All right. Now, that, that, that may seem irritating, but if it was your grandchild or child out there, you'd want somebody to go slow. Amen? Uh, so let's, let's be careful. We don't need to uh, cause any more problems than what would be necessary. So let's just be careful, keep our eyes out in the parking lot, and uh, uh, make sure everybody's okay. All right? It says in verse number 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, then he that taketh a city. Now let's read it again. Let's all read it together. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, then he that taketh a city. In other words, if you have the ability to control your anger, to control the emotions that you have, you're better off than a person that is physically stronger. Anger is a, is a real issue. It's a real problem. It's, it's something that, that can be very, very dangerous. So, so let's look at that and pray and ask God to help us tonight. Lord, uh, help us. Help us to learn. Help us to study. Help us to, to glean from your word tonight. There are so many uh, uh, places and times in our life where we have to deal with these issues. We have to talk about them and we have to, to work on them and deal with them. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us tonight. I know you know who's here. And I know you knew who was going to be here and who needs to hear what. 
And God, I pray that you'll help me be very clear, help me to articulate the truth of your word in such a way that we can leave understanding completely what we need to do. Uh, Lord, this is not just about getting smarter. This is not just about knowing more of our Bible. Uh, this is not just about saying, hey, we, we've learned more information and we have, uh, we have a greater uh, uh, capacity for knowledge. We want wisdom. We want to apply this to our life. We want this to change us. Lord, we want this to make us better. We want, more importantly, we want it to make us more like you. And God, I pray that you'll help us in everything that we try to accomplish tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the book of Proverbs has much to say about the subject of anger. Uh, Proverbs fifteen eighteen: A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs sixteen thirty two: He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Proverbs fourteen seventeen. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. In other words, if you have a quick temper, if you have a quick temper, uh, you, you, you're most likely going to act foolish. Uh, a man of wicked devices is hated. Have you ever noticed that sometimes at a funeral, uh, uh, when when some when they are talking about the deceased or doing the eulogy, uh, they will they will make uh, funny references to oh boy this person had a temper and everybody would laugh about it like that was a good quality. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Bible is very clear when it comes to anger and those that are quick to it, quick tempered. It's not a good thing. Say amen right there. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 9, or back up, I missed one. Proverbs 22 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Ecclesiastes 7 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of what? Ephesians 4, 26 says, be ye angry and sin not. You see, anger is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Anger is something that's given to us by God. But when it's used wrong, it's very devastating. Uh, anger is used for justice. Uh, Jesus got angry in the temple. He overturned the tables and he ran the money changers out. Uh, There's several times that it talks about God being angry, especially throughout the Old Testament uh, with the nation of Israel and their enemies and all of those things. Uh, so anger in a right way and used right can be a very beneficial thing, but the majority of the time it's not used in a right way. So it says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. No, those two verses go together. Those two verses go together. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If something has caused you to be angry, if something has stirred the anger emotions in your heart, deal with it. Deal with it soon. Deal with it early. Don't stew on it. Don't contemplate. Don't, 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 don't keep nursing it and rehearsing it and cursing it. Say amen. Because what will happen, the very next thing that will happen is you're giving a foothold to the devil to work in your life. And what will happen is the devil will step on that stool and he'll go to talking to you. Oh, if he really loves you, he wouldn't have acted that way. Oh, if he really loved you, he wouldn't have said what he said. Oh, if she really cared about you, she would treat you better than that. Oh, can you believe what that woman said about you? Can you believe? Are y'all with me? How many of y'all have heard him talk to you lately? And you know what we do? When we don't deal with the anger quick, we give him a stool to step on and he goes to talking to us. And we allow it. He says, don't give place to the devil. Because if you give him a toehold, he'll take a foothold and make a stronghold. 
and it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse. Now, think of anger like this. Think of anger like this. Anger as a sticky, bad-smelling, dangerous substance that can be compressed and stuffed into something like a spray can. Different people, different people have different size cans and different degrees of compression. Y'all with me? Depending on how much anger they're carrying and for how long they've been carrying that anger. What happens? Angry people tend to go around spraying their anger on other people. The spray is felt by others as, and I underline these in my notes, meanness, insensitivity, negativity, and general offensiveness. And the bad part is the sprayers may not even realize how they're behaving or how it affects other people. They just keep spraying in every direction, everywhere they go, like skunks that constantly feel threatened. And anger sprays things like an acid that burns. Now, sometimes, sometimes you say, well, preacher, what, what's causing this? Before we deal with what, what, it, what it does in our life, what causes anger? I mean, what, what causes a person to have angry outbursts and have issues with anger? Uh, many times, it's because of things that's happened in the past. Things that's happened in the past, past wounds, past hurts, uh, past disappointments that you don't get over. Let me read this to you. This is not in your notes, but I, I, was, I was looking this up and researching some of this, and I didn't really have time to put it in yours. But uh, uh, what causes, the, the, what is the root cause of the spirit of anger? It's tension from past hurts and guilt. This mixture of pain and guilt is cumulative, and it erupts in anger. Watch this. When new offenses reminds us of past experiences. In other words, the thing we face today reminded us of the hurt we felt yesterday. The thing that we're going, in other words, it's not necessarily what the person did to us today. We're just taking out on them what the person did to us yesterday. Past experiences, past wounds. Most people assume most people assume that hurtful events in the past will be forgotten and will have no effect on the future. That's not true. That's not true. They don't just go away. They don't just go away, nor does guilt simply disappear after a wrong response to a situation. Unless these experiences are resolved through repentance and forgiveness, we will continue to experience bouts of anger when our tension points are triggered. What happens? Somebody does something. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. I've done this several times in counseling before. Uh, say, say I have a cut on my arm. How many of y'all have ever seen somebody get cut and, and the cut is so deep they put stitches on the inside because the, the wound is so deep they'll put stitches on the inside, sew it up, and then put stitches on the outside? Well, sometimes when they don't put stitches on the inside, there's a wound still on the underside, but the top scabs over. And it looks like it's healed. It looks like it's fine. But really, underneath, there's still a wound. Really, underneath, there's still a pain. There's still a hurt there. And watch, I'll be walking down the hallway, and somebody come by and brush my arm. And that's not a big deal. That's not really a great offense. That's not really a big deal or a big issue. But when there is a wound there, how do I respond to that? I respond in a great way. I respond in a dramatic way, not because of the offense, not because of the brush against me, but because of the wound that they triggered. Are y'all with me? And emotional wounds are on the inside. 
And the bad part and the dangerous part about it is you can't see them. They're not aware from the outside. You don't even realize it's there. And the person could be sitting beside you every single day. They could go to church with you every single week. They can go to school with you. And there could be emotional wounds that's on the inside that you never see. And they will respond to something that's not really a big deal in an outburst of anger because of pain they felt from the past. Past wounds. Angry outbursts coming from, I, I've, seen, I've seen couples. I've seen couples where one cheated on the other, one wounded the other in such a way. And they said, well, let's just get over it and forget about it. We'll just go on like it never happened and everything will be all right. And years and years and years and years down the road, that wound that was created was never dealt with, was never healed, never got counseling, never got help. And because of that, it was always there, still open, and we are responding in such a ways here today from something that happened way back then. And we wonder why, we wonder why they respond to us. And, 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 and sir, uh, she, she, she may be taking out on you what somebody else did to her in her youth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Angry outbursts. Anger. Wounds that have, haven't healed. Disappointments in life. And here we go. What do we do? What happens? What happens when those things take place? Two things. Symptoms, if you will. Symptoms of hidden anger. Two things usually take place. First, our relationships are hindered. We have, we have uh, hindered relationships. We can't, we can't develop relationships with people. Why is that? Because many times, many times, because of the wound that we have before, we're afraid to get close to people because we don't want to get hurt again. And if we can keep people afar, if we can keep people at a distance, if we can keep people out there, I mean, you can develop a relationship almost to a certain point, and then you stop it, and you make an excuse why you have to quit it. You make a reason why. Or you always keep people at bay. You always keep that wall up because you're afraid you're going to get hurt again. And when anger's not dealt with and these wounds are not dealt with, many times, it hinders our relationships. It hinders marriage relationships. It hinders friendships. Uh, it hinders, listen, you just can't develop the friendships and relationships you want to develop. Not only that, not only that, but we find that we, we see a, an issue with maturity. Maturity is halted. Preacher, what do you mean? Let me, let me read it. It affects our, our, our mental maturity, spiritual maturity. Unresolved anger freezes our emotional maturity level near where it was when the hurtful offense occurred. Suppose your parents divorced when you were 12. You were devastated, and your anger can begin to feel. In all likelihood, you also got struck near or stuck near that emotional level. You may have an adult body, but you probably got the heart of a wounded 12-year-old. Maybe you're not the angry person, but you live with one. In that case, you may find yourself asking from time to time, why is he so childish? Why does she say those off-the-wall, immature things that hurt us? It's because something happened somewhere along the line that stopped the process, stopped the maturity process. And now we're still treating our spouse or we're still treating our friends like that 12-year-old that got hurt that wants its childhood back. Now, I know, I know these are heavy issues, and I know we ain't, we ain't going to be shouting tonight. I'm just going to tell you that right now. 
uh, but, but these are so many things that we're going to talk about tonight that is killing marriages today. It's killing relationships today. It's killing churches today. Man, churches are splitting, churches are splintering, churches are fighting and fussing over things that shouldn't even be. And, and, and listen, we got to deal with it. Church, say amen. All right, what do we do? What do we do? We can't get, I wish we could go into a time machine and go back into time and, and keep that wound from taking place, uh, keep that hurt from happening. I wish we could do that, but that's just not, that's just not feasible. Jesus said, uh, when he, he spoke to his disciples, he said, it's impossible, but the defenses will come. You're living in a world that's imperfect. You're living with imperfect people. And when you've got imperfect people living in an imperfect world, there's going to be problems sooner or later. There's going to be hurt feelings sooner or later. There's going to be issues sooner or later. It's impossible, but offenses will come. They're going to come. They're going to come. So what do we do? What do we do when we've been hurt? What do we do when something happens to us out of our control? Sometimes we get angry when we lose control. When we feel things are out of our control. How many of y'all, how many of y'all like to, to, to feel like uh, you're in control of things? Be honest. Be honest. How many of y'all wigs it out when things get out of control? Listen, that causes anger. Disappointments. Things that you thought was going to take place that didn't causes issues with anger. Now, what do we do? What do we do? Solutions to hidden anger. Number one. Define the offense. Define the offense. Sit down and write it down. Define it. Why, do you, why is that so important? Why is that so important? Because sometimes we might be angry at something that's not a legitimate issue. And when we really sit down to think about the problem and we really write it down and, and really try to define why we're angry, why are we hurting, why are we in pain, it's usually not what we think it is. So how do you know that? Because what we've done is created a stool for the devil to step on and talk to us for years and years and years, and by the time we really start to deal with the real issue, he's done blown it so out of proportion, it's not what we thought it was. That person that hurt us is really not the wicked witch of the West. That person that hurt us is really not the Antichrist. That person that hurt us, that, that deal really isn't what we think it is now after listening to the exaggeration and the lies of the devil for so long. Define it. What verse are we using in Proverbs? It says, it says he that answereth the matter, Proverbs 18, 13, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it is a folly and shame unto him. Make sure you know what the real issue is. Make sure you know what the real deal is. Define the offense. What really took place? Number two. Number two. This is big. This is big. And this is skipped all the time. Allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to grieve. I've heard spouses tell the other spouse, look, I asked forgiveness. I said I'm sorry. Just get over it. Let's go on. That's the stupidest thing you could ever say. That's the craziest thing you could ever say. When a wound, that's just like when somebody dies, oh, you're going to get over it. It's not going to be long. You'll get over this. You, we wouldn't say that, would we? Or you shouldn't. I hope you got more sense than that. Y'all with me? 
what do we do? We let them grieve. The Bible says something very clear about this. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to, say it with me, a time to, and a time to, a time to mourn and a time to, what does that mean? Some of us just need to have a good old-fashioned cry. Just a good old-fashioned cry. And get it out of our system. We teach, especially the boys. Uh, when I was growing up, I mean, they probably don't do it no more because they're all getting in touch with their feminine side, I reckon. I don't know. But when I was a boy growing up and you got knocked down, you was told, get up, boy, get up. Suck it up. Walk it off. Don't you cry. You're tough. We don't cry. Y'all with me? Now, that's not always a good thing, I don't think. Uh, but I don't think we need to over-sissify our boys neither. I'm just going to tell you. We're living in a generation where they're feminizing the boys and, and, and making the girls masculine. That shouldn't be. But I think a lot of times when we overdone it, uh, we make them feel like and, and, uh, that you can't show emotion. The Bible says that Jesus went into the city and wept openly over the city. Now, if you, if you really study the word out, it means a, an, an uncontrollable weeping. I mean, a wailing, a weeping over the city because of their unbelief. He went and wept when Lazarus died to associate his grief with theirs. Listen, Jesus showed us it's okay to weep. Sometimes we got to define the offense. What really happened to us? Sometimes we just got to grieve. Just allow ourselves, allow ourselves to grieve over the hurt, grieve over the wound, grieve over the offense that's taken place. Then number three, number three, try to understand your offender. Try to understand your offender. First Peter three eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. What's that mean? Sometimes, sometimes, you ever, you ever, you ever heard the old saying, don't, don't judge a man till you've walked in his shoes? Sometimes when we understand what's taking place in the other person's life, we can understand why they responded to us or hurt us in the way that they did. Sometimes people will treat you a certain way because that's all they've seen their whole life. Sometimes they will respond or they will speak in a way because that's what was modeled in front of them. It's not that they don't like you. It's not that they don't care about you. It's not that they don't love you. It's just what they've seen modeled their whole time. Not that it's right. Not that it's right. But it's a little bit easier to forgive that person when you know where it's coming from. Are y'all with me? Try to understand the offender. Try to understand what and where the person is coming from. All right? Number four. Number four. In other words, let me, let me say it this way. That person that got short with you in, in, the, in the grocery line or got smart with you in the grocery line, 
they, they may have just left a house that their husband left them for good. They may have just left a bank who said, who said uh, you know, we can't let you borrow no more money and you, you've got 30 days. You see, we don't know. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's going on in their life. So sometimes we need to back up. Yes, I see. Uh, Brother Johnny, Brother Johnny, Lawrence, Brother John. Uh, where, wh- what day did we go to the funeral? Yesterday, we were, we were at, line, in, at the store in line, and, 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 and I'm sitting there, and, and, and I've got a, a water, he's got a water, and, and we're, we're trying to get to the funeral kind of late, and this guy's up there, and it seems like he's taking forever. It seems like, I mean, it's just like, I, and, 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 and I'm not the most patient one in the world, and I'm working on that, and God's still working on me. And, uh, and, 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 and you are too. Say amen. <laughs> Just let's clarify that before I go any further. Amen. Uh, so I'm sitting here and it, well, we're going to have to run the card again. We're going to, and I'm just, and I look at brother Johnny in my eye and, 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 and then, and then the guy said, you have 53 cents on your card. He said, okay, run that. And then he started taking coins out of his pocket. Man, I just, I got more in my pocket than he's got on his card. All he's trying to do is get a Dr. Pepper. And I'm th- and then this guy behind us is cussing and, ah, I, 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 I dragged Johnny out. He, he almost got violent and everything, I'm telling you. <laughs> I was about ready to sick him on him, Amen. But see, that guy didn't understand where this guy's been. Are y'all with me? Let's try, to, let's try to understand the offender. Then four, here's really, really important. Release your offender. You, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let go what they've done to you. You got you to forgive them. Um. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. You know what? Basically what he's saying, he's not giving you a, a, a specific number. Basically what Jesus is saying, always. You always forgive. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter how many times, it doesn't matter how often, you forgive your brother. You forgive that person. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the only cure, the only cure for the wounds when somebody's wounded you is forgiveness. It's not revenge. It's not vengeance. It's not, it, it's not getting them back. It's forgiveness. And if we don't forgive quickly, then the seed of bitterness will take root in our heart and it will bring out all kind of things. I'm not even going to deal with that message again. Bitterness causes depression. Bitterness causes fatigue. Bitterness causes heart issues and heart problems and addictions and everything else. But it simply comes from a lack of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness. We've got to let it go. We have to let it go. Say, so, preacher, I just can't let it go. Well, I would encourage you to get help. Get some counsel. Get, do whatever you got to do to let that go. Because I promise you this, if you don't, you will deal with it the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Now, 
Number, number five. Number five. Look for pearls in your offense. Look for pearls in your offense. This tool in overcoming anger is to search for hidden pearls in the offense committed against you. The idea here is that good can come out of any bad situation if you will just look for it. Find the good and you can be grateful for it. And gratitude and anger cannot coexist. Say amen. Give me an illustration about that. How about Joseph? His brothers lied about him. Now think about this. Let's, 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 let's apply some of the stuff we just learned. Uh, uh, you know, if Joseph would have thought about it, if Joseph would have thought about it, he would have looked back and said, you know what? My dad favors me. My dad favors me. He shows favoritism to me. And you know what? There's something very hurtful about somebody else being favored above you. How would you like to be the child? And you may have been. You may have been. You may have been the child who felt rejected because you felt like your parents favored the other one. You see, if Joseph would have took a minute and said, you know what? I see where they're coming from. But they hated him, and they were bitter against him because he was a favored child. His father loved him more than all of them and gave him the coat of many colors, and that was the very thing that they lashed out against in their anger. They sold him into slavery and then come back and took their anger out on their father, lied to their father and caused him to grieve and said, your favorite one's dead. But then later on we find, you know, we find that he is on the throne he is in the palace. He is ruling and reigning. He's accomplishing the will of God. And when the brothers came, when the brothers came, God reminded him of the dream, and Joseph took care of them. And this is what Joseph said. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What was Joseph doing? He was finding pearls in a bad situation. He found areas that he could thank God for. He found areas that he could be grateful for. And he looked at the bad things that happened to his life. He said, you know what, God? You know what, God? If that hadn't happened, this wouldn't happen. If that wouldn't happen, I wouldn't be here. And listen, it may, the devil might have tried to kill me, but look here. I'm still here. Somebody say amen. Listen, look for pearls in the offense. <clears throat> Number six, put your feelings in writing. Put your feelings in writing in the form of a letter, but don't mail it. Say amen. No stamp. Amen. Don't mail it. When you spell out your hurts and your frustrations and your fears, researchers say it almost as if your anger is released through the ink of the pen. You may not feel the effect immediately, but you can in time. I've done this with people. I've done this exercise with people. I've had them write it down because sometimes the one that hurts you is no longer alive. Sometimes the one that hurts you is, is either passed away or maybe they're, they've moved away and you, you wouldn't know how to get a hold of them. So you couldn't talk to them in person. So what do you do? You forgive them. You write it down. You take, you take uh, uh, we, we've done this, we've, we've built a fire and burnt those offenses. We've, we've nailed them to crosses and, and, and symbolically gave them to Jesus. But sometimes it just helps to articulate what's happened to you, to put it down and saying, God, I'm giving this to you. You take it. 
you take it. The teenagers did something similar, did an exercise similar when they were dealing with the same topic and they titled it Let It Go and they made balloons and they tied their hurts and they tied their wounds and they tied those disappointments that they had and they tied them to balloons and let them go. And sometimes, sometimes we just have to let it go. Church, say amen. amen. Listen, <clears throat> then this is, this is a biggie. This is a biggie. That's why it's last. Reach out to your offender. Reach out to your offender. I want you to turn with me to the book of Job, or Job, whichever you call it. Job chapter 42, it's the very last chapter. While you're turning to Job 42, verse 10, uh, if you're very familiar with the book of Job, you will know that Job went through hell on earth, lost everything, lost his family, lost his children, lost his finances. Uh, just, just unimaginable, unimaginable what this man went through. Got sore boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, which meant whether he was standing up, sitting on his head, sitting down, laying down, it did not, it did not matter. He was in pain. He was in pain. He would sit in an ash heap and scrape, scrape the boils to try to get some kind of relief from his pain and his suffering. Well, he has friends that come over. And with friends like these, who needed enemies? Have you ever had friends like that? And they was they were saying, Now, Job, what'd you do to deserve this? Now, what sins in your life? Surely God wouldn't do this to you without you need to get right with God. And, and, and according to the scriptures, the Bible says that Job was, was a very righteous man. Job was a God. These things did not happen to him because he was wrong, but because he was right. But these friends just kept running them chops, just kept running their mouth. And, and, and chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, you find it was Job against his friends. And they, instead of comforting him, really, they were attacking him. Attacking his character, attacking, saying that, hey, just, just fess up, man. Just fess up. Just admit what, what's going on here. And, and, and just, just, to, to, just like needling him and putting their finger in the wound. And I tell you, that, that, to me, that, that'd be hard to deal with. Are y'all with me? Now, I want you to see something. In Job 42, in Job 42, verse 10, are y'all with me? Say amen. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Now, what's that mean? He turned it around. All the bad stuff that was happening to Job, he turned it around. Everything that was going wrong, he turned it around to make it right. He got twice as much. Y'all know the story. He got twice as much as everything he ever had. Uh, got children back here and had children in heaven. So he got twice as much of everything back that was taken. Now, watch this. God turned the captivity of Job when he, for his. Do y'all catch that? When he reached out to help those that hurt him, God turned it around. Now, I want to reach out and touch someone when they hurt me. Say amen. Are y'all with me? But 
But the Bible says we're to love our enemies. That's pretty tight, isn't it? Uh, when it comes down to it, you know, I was wondering about the crowd tonight. It's, it's way off from last week. And I thought, about, I thought about the seriousness of the message Sunday. But I'm thinking about the seriousness of tonight. I don't think everybody could handle this tonight. Because when we get to this point, when we get to this point, it takes real maturity. And it takes a touch of God. Uh, Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Let's all read it together. Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Ooh. Does that make anybody else draw up too? But watch, 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 watch. God didn't turn it around till he reached out for his friend. When Job prayed for his friends. Now it's one thing to let it go. It's one thing to say I forgive you. And by the way, I said I forgive you and I didn't forgive them. If you say you forgive them and you still can't stand to look at them, you didn't forgive them. If when you have the memory of the, of the wound and the hurt and it still bothers you, you didn't forgive them. I had a really bad, bad situation happen to me one time in my life, and I've, I've told you all about this, and I'm not going to go into detail about it. But, but I promise you this. I knew that I had forgiven him when it no longer bothered me. The next day after it happened, I called and said, hey, you know, I did the thing, the Christian thing. Hey, listen, listen I'm sorry. I, please forgive me, and I forgive you, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I, I went through all the motions, and I still had it right here. And every time I saw him, I had it right here. But when I reached out to him, and God told me to. And by the way, I didn't want to. God told me to. But when I did, God took it away. God took the hurt. God took the pain. God took the frustration. God took the bitterness. He just took it away when I reached out. Now, some of you, you got hung up down through those numbers, one through seven. But I promise you this. When you do, it will change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change your relationships. You will be able to sleep again. You will be able to have peace again. You, be, you will be able to experience good relationships again. Are y'all with me? Now listen. Number two. Second issue, second issue that we, we need to deal with tonight. Uh, and, and, and really, this second one is probably a reason why we won't deal with the first one. Are y'all with me? Uh, pride. Let's all say that together. Pride. pride. Oh, preacher, I don't, I don't have no problem with pride. 
All right. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to go into detail. Have you ever have you ever heard that if if you know you mow the grass and find seven cars, you might be a redneck. If you've ever had to climb a tower with a can of spray paint to defend your sister's honor, you might be a redneck. If you go to the family reunion looking for a date, you might be a redneck. Amen. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, guess what? I've got a list of about seven things, eight or nine, ten things, that uh, if such and such, we might have a problem with pride. So are y'all ready for this? That was a little weak. All right, all right, here we go, here we go. Proverbs 11, Proverbs 11, uh, verse 2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before what? And a haughty spirit before a fall. Great illustration is, is, is the apostle Peter. Peter was a great man of God. He was, man. We, we can say what we want about him, but nobody else walked on the water. Nobody else defended Jesus in the garden. Nobody else. Listen, uh, him... And, and, and Peter, James, and John got to go and, and see Jesus and, and his glory being radiated on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Peter was a man. I, I just, just, just be honest, amen? But he got lifted up in pride. And because of that, and Jesus even warned him about it. Jesus said, look, man, you're going to deny me. You, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. But he got a little prideful and he fell. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him what? But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Let's describe, let's describe pride a little bit. What areas, where, 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 do, where does pride come from sometimes? First, I want you to write this down. Number one, I want you to see the pride of ability. The pride of ability. What does that mean? Some people are born gorgeous. And some people ain't. They say beauty is skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. When beauty fades away, ugly hangs on. Amen. I, uh, that wasn't in your notes. Uh, <laughs> some people are born with the ability to sing like a mockingbird. Some people are born six foot four. 250 and rip like a tater chip. Say amen. I look out on that field watching them football games and man, I'd love to been able to do that. I'd love to been able to run down the sidelines and catch a pass or, or uh, throw the touchdown pass and all that. Some people are just gifted. I mean, just genetics. We, we, were, we were sitting in the gym the other day and, 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 and man, I seen... Guys in there had more rolls than a bakery. Say amen. I mean, they had lumps all over them. I mean, just muscles everywhere. And some are just so genetically, you know, just their DNA. And, 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 and some of us just ain't. Say amen. But what happens is, is we are born gifted in a certain way and think it's all about us. 
Now watch what, watch what God says about this. Paul, he, he deals with this. He deals with this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 when he's talking about people that, that were really being braggadocious about their gifts or being arrogant about their gifts. He says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hadst not received. In other words, God gave it to you. What are you bragging about? And sometimes, sometimes, there, listen, pride can destroy a preacher because God gives him and, and, and helps him be a good speaker and, and, and he gets to thinking it's all about him. Sometimes pride destroys singers. I've heard, I've heard people say, yep, when, when the devil was kicked out of heaven, he fell right down in the choir. I've seen arguments. I've seen fusses and fights and, and complaining. Oh, I didn't get to sing this song. She sang three and I only sang one or, or this and that. And, and all that is is pride. If it wasn't for God, we'd all be in hell. We have no rights. We're slaves to Jesus Christ. We have no rights. And, and when we feel like our rights have been violated, we get angry and prideful. Are y'all with me? I don't even have a right to stand here before you tonight. If I got what I deserve, I'd be in hell tonight. I've seen, I've seen young, young preachers and, and, and speakers and, and even, even older ones feel like they are owed a crowd or a following or a big church or a big ministry. Or, and and, and that's, that's pride. Pride, the pride of ability. Listen, if God gave you great ability, you better remember where you got it from. You better thank God every day for it. Because I promise you this you may not believe this, but God can take it just as fast as He gave it. Are y'all with me? Listen, the pride of ability. Then, number two, the pride of authority. The pride of authority. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 3, 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. But in verse 6, he says, but not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall in the condemnation of the devil. Isn't it amazing what a title would do for somebody? They're just a great person, a great person to be around, a fun person to be around. You give them a title that goes ahead and they go plumb stupid on you. I've seen it with cops. Now, I appreciate our law enforcement. I do. I, pre I don't call them pigs. I think that's disrespectful, and don't ever do that around me. Don't make fun of them. Don't do but I, I have seen men. I have seen men with an inferiority complex, and they get a badge, and then they think they are the stuff. Are y'all with me? And a little bit of authority goes to their head, and they get lifted up in pride. Paul said, be very careful who you give people authority because it will go to their brain. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Uh, number, <laughs> number three, we'll move right along there. Then we see the pride of abundance. Not only the pride of ability, not only the pride of authority. And, and, and you know what? One of the fastest places that could take place is in a church. 
I, I, this is kind of a joke, uh, and I don't mean it that way, but it's, it, uh, people ask all the time, well, how many deacons y'all have? I said, one. Brother Mickle, Brother Mickle's our longstanding deacon. He's been here uh, uh, before I was, a long time before I was. And, uh, and then I'll say, no, not really. I said, we've got tons of deacons. They just don't know they are one. And I'm not going to tell them. Well, I'll tell you what, I, listen, the word deacon is diakonos. It means servant. We've got so many servants around this place that are, that are busting it every week to make things happen. There's no way I'm going to give them a title. Say amen. And I mean that in a humorous way, but I've seen it happen so many times. So many times. A title, authority, goes to our head and pride causes issues. Then the pride of abundance. What happens? God begins to bless us. God begins to bless us, and we begin to compare who we are with other people because of what we have. Oh, that's dangerous. Dangerous. The Bible says in Luke 12, verse 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Look what, look what you've done. Look what you have. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou, thou, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be? which thou hast provided. Be careful. Be careful when God goes to blessing you that you forget where it comes from. God gave the nation of Israel a specific warning when he sent them into the promised land because he knew he was going to give them an incredible amount of abundance and an incredible amount of blessing, houses that they did not build, orchards that they did not plant, wells that they did not dig. Are you all with me? All of these blessings. And he said, but beware. Be careful that when you go in and you're blessed to abundance and you have everything going your way and you're getting everything you want and you're having all these good things and all these blessings that I've given you that you forget where it comes from. But guess what they did? They forgot where it come from. And you know what? It's human nature. It's human nature. When we're, when we're on our deathbed or we're on an issue with life or we have problems, man, we'll search God and we'll pray and we'll seek God. But you let things go well and you'll let things go good and you'll let everybody be happy and be what it's supposed to be and you let God start pouring blessings on our life. It's very easy to get so caught up with the blessings that we forget about the blesser. And let's be careful with the pride of abundance. Now, now, Here's some things. Say, preacher, I don't think I've got pride. Well, let's see. Let's see. Here's some, here's some symptoms. I enjoy being the center of attention. So I don't think I do. Ask those around you. See what they say. Much of my conversation is filled with, ah, ah. Number three, oh, I find it difficult to admit that I'm wrong. Man, it's a quiet. We can have devotion in here. 
Ain't a whole lot of chirping tonight, amen. Anybody ever have, a, have issues admitting when we're wrong? Come on, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going I'm to admit it. Y'all ain't going to, but I'm going to be honest tonight. Number four, I don't like to be corrected or change. I'm going to raise both my hands. Number five, boy, I see this a lot. My feelings are easily hurt. Easily hurt. I am impatient with other people's mistakes. I don't get enough appreciation for all that I do. You know, we we don't really, we would never admit to this stuff. And we don't even really think we, but sometimes we act like it. We do. Does it irritate you when people don't agree with you? I'm going to read that one again. Does it irritate you when people don't agree with you? Do you think you are usually right and others are usually wrong? Do you find it hard to compromise? Is it your way or no way? Do you find yourself giving more criticism than compliments? Man, that's something. Are you often critical of other people and pointing out their faults and failures rather than their good points? Are you quick to judge other people on first appearance? If someone has hurt you or done you wrong in the past, do you hold bitterness and resentment against that person? Do you often compete or compare yourself with someone else? Now think about those. We're going we're gonna to dig some more. Four minutes worth anyhow, amen? All right. Let's look at the danger of pride. We talked about the description of pride, but the danger of pride. Why is pride so dangerous? I think pride could possibly be even more dangerous than anger. It's dangerous because of its deception. Write that word down. Someone once said pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick except the one who's got it. It says in Galatians chapter number 6, verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Have you ever heard that saying, I wish I could buy him for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth? Amen. We're getting somewhere now. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Proverbs 26, 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope for a fool than of him. And that person, in other words, that person that you, you can't tell him nothing. You can't teach him nothing. All right, we see the danger of pride in its description, then the danger of pride in its destruction. The danger of pride in its destruction. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the, uphold the humble in spirit. Walter Lloyd wrote and attributed to a deckhand on the Titanic in Southampton on April 10, 1912. He allegedly said it to Miss Sylvia Caldwell, second-class passenger, when she asked about the safety of the ship. In his book, At Night to Remember, 
He said that this deckhand supposedly said even God himself couldn't sink this ship. And we know the outcome of that. Pride is very, very destructive. Then lastly, we got to hurry, got to hurry. Let's deal with pride. How many of y'all ready to deal with it? Okay, let's try this question again. Let me, give you, let me give you some good advice. If you don't deal with it, he will. And your belt's smaller than his. Y'all with me? Okay. All right. Let's deal with it. Tell your neighbor, deal with it. All right. First we find, first we find number one, self-involvement. In other words, God gives us a chance to deal with our own pride. Humble yourself before under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time, all right? He gives us an opportunity to deal with it so he won't have to, all right? Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Recognize. First, in self-involvement, there's two things, recognize and repent. Let's look at some of the, let's look at some of the symptoms here. Let's look at some of the symptoms here. How do I recognize pride in me? How do I recognize pride in me? Here's some indications pride is creeping up in your life. A spotty prayer life. A spot when you're not praying right. Why? Why does that reveal pride? Because it suggests that I'm not actively relying on God nor aware of my need for Him. And that's something. Weariness. You're tired all the time. You're tired all the time. Is often the result of trying to do more than God intends, which means I'm not letting Him order my day. Preacher, you just don't know my schedule. Here's your schedule. Wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you want me to do first? Do that and then say, God, what do you want me to do second? Then do that. Don't worry about it all. Worry about the one thing. And at the end of the day, God will give you strength and power and ability to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish, and it changes everything. Y'all with me? Say amen. Anger, anger can mean that I'm not trusting God's sovereign plan and timing, and I'm trying to take control from him. I'm trying to take control from him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. If I have a critical spirit, this is the sorry act of bringing others down in order to lift up myself. Underline that. A critical spirit is the sorry act of bringing others down in order to lift up myself and often points to an inflated sense of self. A defensive reaction to criticism. In other words, when somebody, when somebody critiques you or somebody shares a, 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 a correction with you, you get angry about it and get defensive automatically. Despondency in any failure after failure and the inability to laugh at my mistakes also suggests, and, uh, suggests that I'm taking myself too seriously and thinking of myself too highly. Taking responsibility for success. Accomplishment or financial prosperity may mean I have lost sight of God's gracious and undeserved provision, and I'm thinking it's me and not him. Impatience about having to listen, wait, serve, be anonymous, or being led by someone else all hint at an under or excuse me, overdeveloped sense of importance. I had I had somebody say this one time. You know you have a servant's heart by how you respond when somebody treats you like one. Did you hear that? You know if you have a servant's heart by how you respond when somebody treats you. Do you get angry? What well, am I just your bellhop? Am I your servant? You know, do we have a servant's heart? How do we respond when people treat us that way? 
Impatience about having to listen, wait, serve, be anonymous, or be led by someone else all hint at an overdeveloped sense of importance. Unwillingness to associate or get to know a certain person or people who do not live up to your standards. All right? That's, that's a funny thing because some people, well, I'm not going to get in that group if that person's in that group. Oh, that's, 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 that's sorry. That's sorry. Can I say it again? That's sorry. I mean, really, who, 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 who are we to say who we'll associate with and who we won't? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about somebody who could be dangerous to your to your Christian wall. I'm not saying you know you don't uh, uh, somebody struggling with drugs don't need to be hanging out with a you know a, a group of drug addicts that are still struggling with theirs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when when you think you're better than somebody else. Are y'all with me? All right, that's self-involvement. Number one, how do we deal with pride? Self-involvement. We deal with it. We recognize it and we repent. We say, Lord, help me with this. I am sorry. Help me with this. Number two, if we don't, if we don't, there's going to be sovereign intervention. If you belong to him, God will humble you. Humble. Tie that word in with humiliate. How does God humble his children? Humiliate. Say that with me. How many of y'all like being humiliated? That's what I thought. I don't either, but that's the way to be humbled. Watch. God humbled Nebuchadnezzar. I wish I could go into detail with that. God humbled David, didn't he? Run him out of the kingdom. God humbled Samson, had his eyes poked out. He was, he was being mocked and made fun of because of his sin. God humbled Peter. He denied the Lord three times, went out and wept bitterly. He humbled Peter. He humbled Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown was the president of the college where I went to Bible college. He said one time, he was at a grave site doing a, a, a funeral, and, and, uh, and, and they had the open grave there and, and, the, and the casket there. Well, he did the, he did the service, and as people were leaving, uh, the funeral director came up to him and said, Son, that is, and it was when he was a very young preacher. He said, That's one of the best funerals I've ever heard in my life. I tell you what, that was an incredible message. And he said, Man, when you got it, you got it. Turned around and walked right into the hole. Walked in the hole, people. He said, I never said that ever again in my whole ministry. Amen. He said, when you got it, you got it. Turn around, fell right in the hole. How many of y'all know God can humble you? I remember one time I gave an outline. I gave an outline to Dr. Brown because it was like a big thing if, if, uh, if, uh, uh, the guys in the college was, you know, in our class doing outlines, and if the preacher ever saw a good one, he would use it in in the big auditorium, and you know, uh, he would say he got this outline or this message from such and such. Well, he used one of mine. Oh, my head swole up about that big. He had to grease my ears to get me in the door. And I was talking to, him, yeah, hey, he, that's my outline. Yeah, that's that's mine right there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just just and and getting my head getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, Preacher Brown went and, and that afternoon was looking over, did it that morning, and that afternoon he was looking over, and I had taken the whole points out of context from what the chapter really said. Then he come back that night and said, this is what I preached this morning, and that was wrong, but let me tell you what it's supposed to say. That wasn't really my outline. I don't know whose outline that was. I promise you, 
God knows how to get us humble. And I found out this, that if we don't do it ourselves, when he does it, it's a whole lot more painful. How many of y'all agree with that? Amen. Let's deal with our pride and anger. We're out, we're out of time. The, the teachers outside are, are, are angry. All right, so we're going to dismiss. Uh, how many of y'all, y'all need some extra prayers to deal with some of these things we talked about tonight? I do too. I do too. So let's pray for each other. Let's pray for each other. Y'all just pray for those sitting in the pews. Father, we come before you, and then we ask you to help us with our past hurts, our past